A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Today we've got a great revenge story teaching somebody to be a little bit nicer. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, nosy auntie reports me to my parents, so we stole her TV. When I was in my teenage years, I joined a gang. We used to do stuff like smoke and drink, even though I wasn't up to the age when I could drink, but we never did any of those violent things. My neighborhood was one of those less dangerous ones. I'll come to explain why we formed gangs later, but for now I'll tell the story of how I stole my aunt's TV. When my auntie saw me with this group of boys that I'd been warned not to hang around with, she told my parents, even though we talked about it, and agreed that I didn't want my mom and dad to know but I found out I was so angry at her. I told the rest of my gang that she was the reason why my parents were punishing me, so we decided to pay her back in the way that we could really hurt her, not physically at least. Then we decided that we were going to sneak into a house and take something very important to her. We were actually thinking it was going to be something like a jewelry box or an expensive artifact or something like a vase, but surprisingly when we got in there, one of us cited the television set that she had exclaimed at the quality, the make, and the newness of the flat screen TV. He was like, yo, we have to take that. I was a bit skeptical because it was a whole TV screen. It could be like a serious crime and we could have been arrested. But he said it would be fun and agreed, so we decided that we're going to steal the TV. And it took us some time to do that, but my aunt wasn't going to be home for a while. So we unscrewed the television and we were able to put it in the back of our car before leaving, and she never suspected a thing. And so later, she got into her house and noticed that her TV was missing, obviously. There was this huge space on the wall where the TV used to be. My aunt screamed. She thought she'd been robbed, but there was no sign of a break-in. She told my parents, she told the police, and the neighbors, but they hadn't seen anything. While my auntie was being so frantic because the TV was very expensive, my guys were having a laugh because of the way she was bothered. We pitied her. I decided to return the TV to her after three days. When she came back, she was so shocked that it was there. The police believed that somebody was playing a prank on her. She asked me and I said I didn't even have the time to steal, but I told her that maybe she kept her business away from the gangs on the streets. Nobody would want to play a prank on her. In my neighborhood, I had a group of friends. We called ourselves a gang even though we didn't have the liver to do what gangs do. I hung out with them from morning till night and they weren't bad influences per se. They were just a bunch of excited teenagers, just like every boyfriend group. My parents had no issues with me hanging out with them until when was the time for me to prepare for my SATs. They said that my friends will be a big distraction for me because I'd already failed once. During that time, I was going over to my auntie's place to take some lessons from her because she's a math teacher. It was more like a ploy to keep me away from the boys because math was not really the subject I had issues with. It was more of English but my parents said that if I was in my auntie's place, then I wouldn't be too tempted to hang out with the gang. My auntie didn't live too far away from us. Her house was big and she lived alone. She had a dog that I love so much, so I didn't have anything wrong with this idea of going to her place. Whenever I was at her house, she would cook very delicious meals and we would have such a good relationship that I was always eager to leave my house in the morning to go to her place for the tutorials that she gave me. My parents go to work in the morning and there would be nobody with me at home if I stayed back. 
So they thought I would just play away with my day, hanging out with the boys. If they could get me to go over to my auntie's, then whenever they left the house, they could be certain that my aunt would ensure that I was studying. It was a win-win. I became this studious kid who always had a textbook in front of him. It got very frustrating. My aunt allowed me to use my phone and laptop to watch movies or chat at intervals, but she would ensure that I was not spending too much time on screens and I was solving questions. I kind of got bored. Every day had a similar routine. I just wanted to go hang out with my guys just once. I mean, what could one time do? It's not like I would forget every single thing that I'd read and that one day will be the reason I fail my SAT exam, but my aunt was not in support of my suggestion. She wouldn't let me leave her house. Around that time, my auntie was changing her TV and she said she had some handyman coming to the house to change a flat screen TV to an even bigger one. This woman was so proud of herself and so proud of her new TV that she kept taking pictures of it. I was fascinated by the screen too because I've never seen anybody's TV that big. My parents weren't struggling but we didn't spend even that much on gadgets and household appliances. When it came to screens, the one we were using in our living room had been there for at least 10 years. Seeing my auntie get so excited about a new screen was new to me. I didn't even have a video game in my room because my parents didn't think it was necessary. Somehow, I just wanted to be my auntie's kid so that she could get me all the things that my friends had that I didn't. I was kind of proud to be her nephew. The way she treated me too also made me want to be at her place more than in mine. She was cool and nice, but when she kept on insisting that I stayed indoors every day rather than hang out with my friends, I started to resent her place a little bit. It got so bad that when my auntie wanted to leave the house, She locked me inside and told me that everything that I would need was inside. Whenever she was leaving the house, I was alone in the house with her dog and nobody could come in or go out. She did that because she was afraid of my parents. I don't know why she was afraid of them. My mom is her older sister, but she had more money and influence than the both of them combined, so to me it didn't make sense. Whatever order that they gave her, she carried it out for them, even when it was against her will. I texted my boys that even if there was ever a chance to sneak out and hang out with them, it wasn't possible anymore because I was always getting locked in. They laughed at my condition and mocked me that I was being a wimp because if I really wanted to do something, I'll figure out a way. So I thought of something. When my aunt got home that day, I helped her bring in the groceries from her car once she opened the door. I was thinking of searching her entire house for spare keys, but that would be too much trouble, and I may never find it and she'll know I've been in places that I should not have been in, so I decided that I was going to duplicate the key that she left on the door. I thought I'd have to make the prints of the keys down on something like soap maybe, but I realized that on the key holder, there was more than one key for the front door, so I took off one and she didn't notice. The next day, I was able to open the door after she locked it and went out to hang with my guys. While she was out, I was able to duplicate the keys and return hers to the key holder without her noticing. I always had my own keys in her house when she was out. She didn't know about this, and for some time, I was always sneaking out after she left. But there was this day that she didn't lock the door, and I went out. I thought she had gone to teach her class as usual, and she forgot to lock me in that day. I didn't think much of it so I just went out and hung up with my guys. Turns out that my auntie was actually not feeling well that day so she didn't go to school. She was just going to the local supermarket to get some stuff and when she got back home, I wasn't around. 
She called me and I told her that I was at home. She didn't sound like she was in school and then I realized she was at home because she said I wasn't there. I had to go home quickly and apologize to her because my auntie had been so good to me, she didn't deserve me to lie to her that way. She said that the first day she left the door open and goes out, I took the opportunity to go and hang out with my gang. She had to tell my parents, but I begged her. She stayed on it for a while, but later gave up and didn't talk about it anymore. I thought I was forgiven and she won't tell my parents. Only if I knew. One day, my parents came into my room. They seized my phone. They banned me from watching television. I didn't really have many things that they could stop me from doing because I wasn't really enjoying so much. But what hurt me the most was that I wasn't getting to go over to bother my poor auntie anymore. By poor, I'm not sure what they meant because this woman was way richer than them. But anyways, I received this punishment for absolutely no reason that I was aware of. I was able to communicate with my guys when my mom left the house that this was what was happening and I wasn't even sure why I was being punished. One time when we had dinner and my aunt was invited over, she had a conversation with me. We were doing dishes after dinner was done and she asked how I was enjoying my punishment for defying her rules. I was shocked because she didn't act like she was still going to tell my parents. Hearing that, I felt betrayed. I was like, Auntie, I thought we were friends. You said you weren't going to tell my parents, but you went ahead and told them and I'm serving this horrible punishment and I can't even go over to yours anymore. And she was like, that's what I get for disobeying her. At the moment, I got angry and stole my phone from my mom's dresser and texted my gang that the whole time, it was my auntie that actually reported me to my parents. They were like, we have to get her back for that. Why did she try such a thing? I came up with the idea that I still had her house key anyway and she didn't know I had it. We could take something that was a really prized possession. Then maybe after she looked for it and cried over it, We could return it just to teach her a lesson. They liked the idea because we hadn't done anything bad in a while. When my auntie went to work, because I knew her schedules, we snuck in and one of my friends saw the TV screen. He was like, bro, we have to take this. I didn't know about that because it would be very difficult to unscrew the thing from the wall, carry it, and then place it in our car because I didn't want it to scratch. I didn't want anything to happen since I just wanted to play a joke on my auntie. I didn't want things to escalate into something else. He said it'll be no problem, we'll bring it back in shape. I could not believe how quickly they unscrewed the screen and drove out of her compound. When she got back, she called my parents to tell them what happened, and my parents asked me if I knew any stealing that was going on in the area. I said I wasn't aware. My aunt talked to the police, she cried over it, she talked to everybody on the street, and then cried some more. I couldn't bear seeing her that way, but something in me had me laughing, because it was the perfect way to get her back. I don't think taking any other item but that large TV screen would have really have done it for us. I just told her okay, if this person who took the TV screen lives in our neighborhood and it was a street boy, I could talk to them because I had connections around them, and I'll just tell them to return it, that you're my auntie and for the first time, My parents were glad that their son had neighborhood gang members as friends. To them, it somehow meant immunity from robberies and burglars. Their son is a friend of the gang members. Gangs wouldn't attack them or their home. So I went to tell my friends that the prank was over. We could return our TV screen. This is about the third day after it was stolen. We returned the TV screen and all was well. 
So basically OP saying gangs are gang members is really just kind of like a calling dolls action figures type situation where it's not. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Really what's going on? Probably bad enough, though, that your parents were like, you should never be around those people. I mean, when you say, hey, I'm going to go hang out with my gang, mom, it's probably pretty normal for them to be like, how do we stop them from getting involved here? Our next story is teaching my boss to be nicer. Jessica, not actual name, was the worst, most abrasive manager I've ever had the displeasure to work with. The mean girl who peaked in high school with 10 years of resentment and an obese husband. She treated everyone in the office like particularly foul-smelling trash. HR wasn't much help with any complaints, as she was rumored to be sleeping with the owner of the publishing firm. Jessica is a tall beauty with aquiline features, only slightly marred by a prominent nose. Often clad in the most appropriate work clothing, cut dangerously low to show her superiors her very ample chest, unfortunately she was seemingly committed to the whole terrible boss bit, as she did everything from shame women in the office over immodest clothing to actively eating people's name-tagged lunches out of the shared fridge in full view of everyone. It was almost comical if it wasn't so infuriating. She was awful at her job and always found some way to shift blame downwards to her often far more capable team members, usually leading to them getting fired or quitting out of frustration. In the wake of a particularly nasty screw-up on a big account and her usual blame game theatrics, most of the surviving co-workers and I found ourselves three rounds deep into conciliatory beers at 7pm on a Tuesday when the conversation turned to the subject of Jessica. A co-worker who I'll call Dan had been making jokes about dealing with her behavior, 
and had wistfully mentioned he missed the times when bullying was an option when everyone sort of fell silent. I got home and couldn't get the notion out of my head. What if we bullied Janet? It's not like anyone at the office really liked her anyway, who would care? I obsessed over it all night. The thought invaded my dreams like an annoying little earworm and followed me through the night and into the office the next morning. I get to my cubicle and prepare to have it affect my productivity at work that day when I hear a string of curse words coming from the direction of Jessica's office. Quick note on the geography of my office floor plan, I was sat furthest from her. If I heard it, everyone else did too. Someone had emptied out her office. They had meticulously put every personal item neatly into a cardboard box in the corner and cleared out everything else, desk, chair, and file cupboard just entirely gone. It had to have taken all night, as if someone had shared the same earworm that had bugged me last night and drove straight from the bar to the office. I glanced over at Dan, who seemed to have suddenly developed an inordinate amount of interest in the report he was typing up. As a matter of fact, no one in the office seemed to be paying attention to the commotion that Janet was whipping up in her office. She storms out heading straight to HR, no doubt. The HR department launched a two-week investigation complete with in-person interviews and veiled threats that led to nothing more than a single worker training seminar on appropriate office behavior when the security cameras produced proof that Dan was the culprit. The idea continued to pester me the following week, strengthened, not deterred, by the incident with Dan. Monday evening, as people began to leave the office, another commotion occurred in the parking lot. Someone had slashed the tires on her beat-up saloon car and poured sugar into her gas tank. Just like before, Jessica was furious yelling obscenities at the attendants before making a beeline for the HR department once more. I started to suspect Dan and I weren't the only ones intrigued by the idea of bullying her, when it came to be known that he was innocent of the subsequent misdemeanor as his wife was adamant that he be home with her due to her being on unpaid leave from the office and the security cameras had been turned off for maintenance all day. That was too many coincidences from too many people for Dan to have done it by himself, if he did it at all. HR gave up on their investigation and no action was taken against anyone in the office besides Janet announcing that she'd find the perpetrator and have them fired, then fuming and leaving when she was ignored. Thus began what must have been the most heckish month of Jessica's adult life. Every couple days brought some fresh heck for her, starting with childish pranks like removing the hinges from her door to stealing her lunch, every prank building in intensity as if to outdo the last. I hadn't slept in a week. The idea had turned to a compulsion that at this point everyone clearly felt. I was one of a few in the office who hadn't done anything to her yet, and it was maddening. Every day I didn't contribute, I felt more and more imaginary accusatory stares from my coworkers. Everyone else was doing it. What was stopping me? I began to scheme. I would pull off the coup de gras and satisfy the infernal need that had gripped me over the past few months. I got the idea while watching old movies Friday night after work. I was going to cut the head off a horse and leave it in her bed, just like the mafia used to do. If this was going to work, I'd have to start getting things together immediately. She needed to wake up to it on Sunday morning. I jumped off the couch, got my coat, and was in the car under 10 minutes flat. First, I had to get a horse and then figure out how to leave it at her house. I began to scheme. Getting her address was easy. 
I simply had to get into the employee data in our system and find her details and then it was off to see a man about a horse. Monday morning, I sat shivering with anticipation at my desk. The compulsions held over me had lessened, but there was still a dull throb at the back of my head. I had to know how it turned out. Jessica always rolled in late to work, but by that time it was already well past noon and still no sign of her. I began to worry. There were far too many things that could have gone wrong. The police could burst through the office doors at any point. Who knows how many laws I'd broken over the course of the weekend? breaking and entering for one, I had driven down to the free-range ranch that Friday night and managed to steal myself one of the horses. I rationalized it was smarter to steal and not buy a horse. That would just leave a paper trail straight to me if she decided to go to the police instead of HR this time. It was a lot of work transporting a fully grown horse out of a stable quietly, but I had a vet cousin who I didn't talk to all the time but owed me a favor, and it came in the form of a couple dozen bottles of K and a few syringes. I made sure to silence the horse and lug its heavy, unconscious body all the way to the van I came with. Because I had no idea how much K was needed to put a horse down, I injected the poor animal with a little too much, and noted fairly quickly that it was gone. Let me tell you now, moving a dead horse after you know it's gone makes it weigh a ton more. Maybe it's the weight of the guilt that did it? I don't know. Getting into her house was easy. Before you wonder, I'd watched enough YouTube videos and read one too many Tumblr and Reddit posts on how to commit a crime and go undetected, so I was appropriately covered. Another quick fact for you, Jessica was also incredibly forgetful, so she had a lot of her personal details in a single Google Doc. Somehow, the place she left her spare key was included as well. Before I got to her house, I went to an acquaintance's place who helped me cut off the head and take the body into his custody. He was a nice, honest guy and he gave me some money because apparently horse meat is a rare delicacy among some. I would never judge. I mean, he didn't ask why I needed just the severed head. Once I was done with that, I moved to Jessica's house, got into her bedroom and emptied the trash bag with a bloodied horse's head on her bed. I spent some time admiring my handiwork before remembering to check if she had any surveillance cameras of any sort. The place was clean, really nice even. Definitely not somewhere I imagined a stuck-up jerk like her living, but hey, to each his or her own. The sight of blood and the weight of my actions started to get to me, so I decided that it was time to dip. I put everything back where they belonged, then went to see my cousin and we burned everything that had been used in the operation. Getting rid of the evidence was my first priority. We rinsed out the truck, then went out drinking together. She wanted to do more, but I was tapped out. With the amount I drank, I was sure to get a hangover the next morning, but the thought of how the day would go surpassed any worries I had. At 2pm, Jessica tottered into the office wearing the biggest, darkest pair of sunglasses I had ever seen. She had clearly been crying and was visibly shaken. She rushed into her office, clearly avoiding the questioning eyes of everyone else, and by the end of the workday, office gossip began to spread. Someone had left a severed horse head in her bed. I had done it. I'd finally gotten my own lick back. The pressure that had built up released all at once, and I almost fell to my knees out of relief. About an hour after that, the full force of the HR department and the owner of the firm made their way through the confused crowd that had started to form at the door of her office and shut the door. 
I had thought they would be on her side, but surprisingly, not more than 15 minutes after entry into the office, raised voices and a singular icy tone could be heard. Jessica had made the mistake of threatening to sue the company over their lack of action as regarded the repeated incidences of what she could be described as workplace bullying and earned the ire of the boss. She immediately lost whatever support the company had been willing to give. Office Gossip says she was strongly advised to keep quiet and accept the situation or face a lengthy legal battle. Jessica never showed her face at the office again. I suspected that she would have a very negative reaction to what had transpired, but I genuinely had no inkling she would just disappear like that. No two-week notice? She didn't bother to pick up her personal belongings by herself or even her resignation letter. The following month, there was simply a thin, smartly dressed man who had claimed to be her lawyer and did both. The official word on the matter became muddled. No doubt a strongly worded memo was shared amongst the higher-ups. Jessica was to be replaced with immediate effect. Her replacement was a short, bubbly-looking man named Earl, who promised to handle his duties with a professionalism he claimed had been sorely lacking in our previous boss. A very quiet chuckle fluttered around the room. We knew how to handle it, if he began to go sour. Now, if this legitimately happened, which I find a lot of steps hard to believe, like OP dragging a horse's body by themselves into a van, I would be really surprised that this lady went to the office instead of straight up calling the police, no-showing or calling off. There's so many moving parts here that are so crazy that... Frankly, I just hope it didn't happen. I mean, let alone for any of this, just for the horse. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.